This is the second episode of the Florida Gateway College Experience FGCXP. You can find this and every episode on our YouTube channel or through your favorite podcast provider. In this episode, we're going to talk about Florida Gateway College basketball. Joining us today is Coach Charles Reese, who is starting his sixth year at Florida Gateway College. How are you today, Coach? Doing well. Doing well. So how are you feeling headed into the season? Uh, we're excited and uh, looking forward to it. Can't wait. What makes you so excited about this season compared to the previous five? Well, I want to think that we've done a great job as a coaching staff with our recruiting. Uh, we feel pretty good about the young men that are returning this year. So altogether, we think that we got a real good chance of having an exciting season this year. That's awesome. So how long have you guys been practicing so far this this fall? Well, we've been in the preseason starting in um, September and now right in rolling right into the month of October. It's been just a couple months that we've been together right now doing some mini workouts and stuff. So whenever they're working out, are they doing like two times a day working out? Are they going to the gym? working on basketball skills and then going to the weight room at different times. How does the preseason work? Just in reverse order. We hit the weight room first, and then from there we come in and do some individual development skill set work. So with that, you're meaning like they're practicing dribbling skills, they're practicing free throws, they're doing those type of activities? All of those things that help build the, the overall athlete. Yes, basketball athlete. So how often do you focus on those fundamentals versus actually learning different plays or defensive formations? We try to focus on those the majority of the time. I know a lot of the, the individual workout stuff, we want to do that daily, and that, that really increases our chances of strengthening the fundamental side of things for the athlete. So whenever you're going through these two different practices a day, you're looking for your players to not only build personal relationships, but also to start gelling on the court with each other. Absolutely. How is that process coming along so far? So far, it's, it's coming along well. You know, because of the time that we're spending together, it, it gives the kids a chance to come in and, like you say, build that relationship and most importantly, understand how we play together, you know, and if if I'm a shooter, I need a good passer. So that passer understands that I need to get this shooter the ball in, in rhythm, and uh, from there, it, it, it helps us execute well. So that's a major part of the fundamentals, right, to make sure that the spacing is correct so there aren't two defenders too close and that the pass is in a position in the pocket where they can shoot without having to lose their rhythm, right? When those things come together, that's when success happens that's, on the floor. That's great. So I want to talk about your style of play as a basketball team. How would you describe your style of play? I would describe our style of play as being exciting, uh, fun, and most importantly, it's 
rewarding to the athlete because he gets the chance to come out and, and play in a style that's, you know, up-tempo. It's, you know, not flashy, but it does bring about, about a lot of the flair that the crowd likes to see. And uh, it makes it where it's fan-friendly. Fan, fan and that's a good thing for that, that, that atmosphere. So you're saying that the shot shot clock is just like a suggestion, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's good. So we're not playing like the old Princeton teams where scoring 40 points a game is what you're shooting for. Yeah, we try to get out and put it put the points up. That's great. Get, get it in the fast lane. An exciting brand of basketball, right? Yes, sir. On defense, do you guys like to trap half court? Do you play more zone versus man? What we try to do is just kind of keep it confusing for our opponent. We we were sometimes based on the shot that is made, whether it's a two-pointer, three-pointer, there we'll set the style of D that we want. We may pick you up man full, or we may back it up to half court, maybe three-quarters court, to just, just to kind of keep the, the point guard on that opposing team as well as the coach, try to keep them guessing on what we're doing. And a lot of times that kind of causes a lot of the problem and it's an advantage for us on the defensive end. So one of the things you're trying to do is force turnovers, force your pace, but also make them have to wait more time to get into their offense, right? Absolutely. If we can put them against the shot clock trying to come where time is running down and, and now they got to rush opposed to just coming in and taking their time and getting the shot that they want, it, it, it pays off for us well. So you're a team that tries to force the tempo on your opponents. Absolutely. Is that style of play something that's been consistent in your coaching career, or is that something that you've developed more with the current athletes that you have here? Well, we've tried to, over the years, come in with that style of play, so it, it helps us with being able to generate a lot of easy buckets you know if you can generate a lot of the easy buckets a lot of times you're going to be the the most successful team on the floor that night so So your goal your goal definitely is to score on defense right we want to try to get as many as we can and then sometimes we'll come in and set the 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 tone that night of what we're looking to score on that in that particular game we're doing that style of play so a lot of teams especially in the higher levels of basketball a buzzword nowadays is positionless basketball where you have, you know, the players one through five who are able to take the ball up the court. You have different guys at different points who are able to shoot both inside and outside. Do you guys try to play positionless basketball or do you have more of set roles for meeting the talent of your squad? It's a combination, you know, based on that team that we're playing that night, you want to, you know, come in and, and set the stage on how you want to go at it. And and sometimes some teams are more uh, where you want to position better. And then some teams are more where we come in and just, you know, just try to disrupt what they do and let's just play the game and make it happen. I love it. So as part of that preparation to determine how you are going to attack a specific opponent, how do analytics play and what type of scouting do you guys do? Well, we we will come in and definitely try to reach out to teams that have played that upon that we're getting ready to play and try to get some film on them and uh, just kind of 
you know, break down their strengths and weaknesses and more so the thing that they have a tendency to do the most. And when we can come in and, and, and clearly, you know, break it down and, and then it gives us an, an opportunity to present it to our kids for game prep that night going into the game. How easy or difficult is it to get film on opponents? Is that like a part of a system where you provide opponents film is sort of being kind so it's a fair balance or is it something that you have to try to get on your own? Uh, it used to be tough in the past, but now we, we got a system where, you know, the, the teams around try to help each other out and make it feasible so that we can, you know, get that with no problem. And a lot of times if most teams have recorded the games, it's no problem getting that, you know, that transfer. So it's more of now, now like a competitive balance where teams want to be able to have that opportunity to give others the chance. Right. So it's it's a more of a fair game, so to speak. Right, it is, and and just uh, a, a opportunity for teams to come in and and really just keep it fair across the board. You know, everybody, if you got that access to the film, you know, passing it on, you know, that's the thing to do. Right. Many teams tend to front load their schedules, right? So if you look at, for example, a Duke, normally the first four or five games they have are against smaller level opponents, you know, and it serves kind of like a pseudo preseason for them to start gelling on the court in real game situations. But you've done the opposite this year. Uh, tell us what you've done and why you chose to do that. Well, coming into our schedule this year, we knew that after coming off a season where we had some success in the postseason, where, matter of fact, the, the last two seasons, we had a chance to, to make it to the national tournament down in Danville. So coming into this year, I wanted to kind of put us, as it relates to the schedule, in a position where we can continue to grow competitively against our competition that we're going to face in the postseason and in our conference. It was our intention to just kind of come in and just, you know, go against some of the competition that we felt could get us better prepared. You know, the uh, Division One uh, JUCO teams, we definitely wanted to kind of come in and, and see how we fared against them, you know, before it was time for us to play a uh, conference play. So Florida Gateway College is Division Two, correct? Correct. So what... How would you describe the difference between a Division One team at this level versus a Division Two, and why that's so important to have that competition against that higher level? On the Division uh, One level, you can come in and the, the the level of recruiting that you can do, you offer more scholarship-wise that can entice those type of higher-level talent, if you want to say. To, to come to your school and it's been great for us to come in and just kind of you know get to the point that where we can attract those kind of athletes just by our style of play our school and the things that we offer has kind of put us on the same level playing field and we've been very fortunate so far moving forward so it, it kind of set us up giving us an opportunity to say hey yeah we can look into playing that level of competition now you know because we're able to get some of those same type of athletes. Does going to back-to-back -back NCAA tournaments, that I'm imagining is a really big recruiting sale it pitch, is. right? It is. It is. It. You know, an athlete can see that, you know, you as a program is 
has stepped it up and, and, and playing at a level that they want to play that can help their chances moving from your school to a four-year school, you know, it helps recruiting in a big way. So that's the ultimate goal of pretty much a majority of your student athletes is they want to have a chance to play in a four-year school, a chance to possibly get in the big dance, the real NCAA tournament at the Division One national level, right? Yes, it is. That's, that's an amazing goal. So we're going to go back to the schedule for a tiny bit since mm. you're starting with those two games in Daytona against the, the bigger opponents. When is our first home game this year? November 9th. November 9th will be our first home game, and we'll be playing against Enterprise uh, Community College out of Alabama. It's quite a road trip for them to come here. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> they, you know, they, they made the trip last year, and we really liked it. We hosted them well. And uh, matter of fact, they got out of here with a victory. Hopefully this year we can kind of change that up and send them away with a with a loss, you know. But um, for the most part, it'll be a great uh, season opener for us at that home. So for those of you who are interested in possibly going to an FGC basketball game, that first game yeah. in a rematch against the team who beat them last year, that's a pretty exciting way to start the season yes, at home. Absolutely. So besides that game, are there any other specific games that you think are must-watches for our fan base? Yes, we pretty much every every team that we have on the schedule is going to be a, a, a pretty much come out and, and and be a part of watching. Uh, but you got the Santa Fe's uh, of the world, FSCJs, uh, and just to name a few: South Georgia State, uh, Central Georgia Tech, Pope. State College this year is going to be a, a good must-come-see game. But for the most part, like I said, we, we we feel real good about the schedule that we put together. It's going to be very challenging, but we we feel that our, our team is going to come out and be competitive and be in place to, to put up some good, exciting basketball this year. So you were talking about Polk State and South Georgia State and Santa Fe. I'm imagining that those are bigger schools, right? Yes. So tell us a bit about the Division II conference that FGC's in and what FGC has to do to make the playoffs. Well, what we got to do, we're going to be faced with, again, our Pasco rival. That's uh, one of our conference teams. Uh, uh, we've added uh, – Palm Beach State uh, College, uh, who's going to be a great talent, um, great uh, coach uh, coming in. They they lost last year's coach, but they they gained a new coach. I can't call his name right off the hand right now, but he's going to have his guys ready to go. And then FSCJ comes down to the conference as well, so it gives us four teams that's going to be you know competitive and and looking forward to try to be conference uh, champions again this year. The after that uh, level, we'll come out of that, and the winner will play uh, the teams out of the Alabama area <clears throat> this year to to be that game to determine the, the trip to Danville. And uh, so we're 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 trying to set ourselves up to come in for the third year in a row, uh, doing the things that we need to do. That's just being competitive and and representing. FGC in the sports arena to to give teams the chance to know that we're gonna we're gonna be ready to go. 
and be the top team in that conference again. So you'd mentioned a little bit about the path to Danville. Could you expand on that, like how the playoff system works? Mm-hmm. Well, with, you know, the team that wins their conference in our, in our division, it winds up facing the team out of the Alabama area that now we've established ourselves in being a conference team. Not a conference team, but a new conference. It gives us that opportunity to, to represent out of our area versus the Alabama. And the winner of that game takes the trip to Danville again. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit later about the Danville trips and how it works when we go through the expectations for this upcoming season. But right now, I want to talk a little bit about your roster that you've mentioned a little bit in this podcast so far. Um, What are your expectations of your players, both on the court and in the classroom? Well, we expect them to come in and understand that before you're the athlete on the floor that we need, we need for you to be focused and and have your 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 mind on the academic side of things because without the academics there's no basketball player you know and uh but we've come in and then put together the plans for our guys to definitely be you know a two two five gpa or above and uh, from there if you're getting it done the way we see it if you're getting it done in the classroom we're not gonna have any problem with you on the court doing the things that you need to do. You know, that's buying in, that's coming in and executing the play, giving that extra pass for the best shot. Those things, you know, play pays big dividends when, when an athlete can do that. So the classroom and the court goes hand in hand in order to make the type of athlete that we need here at FGC. And for those who don't know, the the athletes have really packed schedules because they have to take 15 credit hours a semester. Absolutely. And then they have, as we've discussed earlier, two workouts per day. Then they have to play games. They have to watch film. So it's it's a very busy life. And to balance all of that isn't always the easiest, right? Right. And, you know, and a lot of our guys, you know, when they come in, you know, they they for the most part, I'm um, comes from great uh, high school backgrounds, and uh, but on the college level, you you there's a lot of demands and expectations, and when you ask a young man to to come in and adhere to that, it's challenging. But for the most part, we've been blessed to have kids to come in and just buy in, and from there, you know, we we do what we need to do to be successful. So about the recruiting, does the do you try to recruit to the style you want to play or are you looking for kids who fit what you're looking for from like a core value perspective? Yes. And again, that's, there's a combination of, of all of those things, those quality things, because if we can get the kid that, that fits what we're trying to do within this, in our system, it makes a difference, but it's even bigger when we can get a kid that that fits the core values and the things that we you know need to as a necessity to 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 be you know overall successful in both classroom and on the floor Uh, what's the makeup of the roster this year do you have more younger inexperienced players or is this more of a sophomore heavy roster 
it's a balance. We we have uh, uh, the sophomore sophomores that can come in that's returning that comes in and and, uh, provide that leadership that comfortability when they're on the floor you know executing the things that we need and and then that it brings along the the young kids that we we have that that comes in now following that model comes in and it's just a smooth kind of transition for everybody so do you encourage your older players to mentor the new players or is this something that you want them to establish on a peer-by-peer basis? We, we encourage that mentorship, you know, from our older players. Um, in the past, that's, that's helped us continue the, the, the tradition that we brought back and, and, and tried to, you know, keep going. And with that, it, it gives us an opportunity you know, both on and off the floor when you got that leadership in place. So like for off the court, you're thinking, make right decisions, make sure you stay in class and go to school, that kind of thing. And on the court, you're thinking like they already know the offense, they already know the defense, and they sort of act like coaches on the court? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it, it's, it's easier to, to when you got your system set up like that for things to fall in line and for us that that's been a big successful part of what we've done in the past for those returning players what did you do in the off season to help them become better basketball players did you like give them specific areas that they needed to focus on in the off season or how does that work to get them prepped from year one to year two but what we do is just after finishing up the season, we'll come in, coaches and I will break down each individual and their strengths and weaknesses. And once we've done that, then now it's easy for us to kind of generate a, a, a list of things that we feel that they need to work on to improve coming into the next season. And, and that's been good because now the kid or the student athlete knows exactly what we need for them to do and giving them a head start on that when they come in they're ready to go is that something that you approach like through an exit interview or how do you speak with the student athlete after the year and identify those like is there a timeline do you do exit interviews how how does that conversation occur we do through exit interviews, have guys come in and we sit them down and just kind of, you know, kind of get laid out to them on the things that was positive and things that are negative that we need to kind of really improve on. And it's, it's, it, it helps, you know, again, explain it to the student athlete on the things that we need for him to, to get in place. For those returning players and you've given that sort of advice, how have they improved? Have they met your expectations? Are they starting to reach that potential now in their second year, having worked on those things? I think with that plan in place, it has given us an opportunity to have our kids ready to go uh, and, and and understanding that it's important important to come in and, and, and hear what we, we need for you to kind of improve on. Uh, once they've done that, it, it's helped us in, in, in a big way, you know, uh, not only 
on the floor, but it's, it's, it made the, the young man overall what we need to do. I mean, made him that, that player that we need moving forward. And that helps set up the ability to do all of those things on the court that you want to do from controlling tempo to making that extra pass to making sure those fundamentals Absolutely. are sound. Absolutely. As you mentioned earlier, the Timberwolves made it to the NJCAA Division II Sweet 16 the last two years. Yes. Congratulations. That's an amazing accomplishment. I remember when we all sat in the hall and watched the selection show that first year. It was amazing. Both times you made it as a 16 seed. Yeah. So could you tell us about those experiences each of the two years and how your team improved in the second year versus the first? Yes. The first year, it was just an opportunity that we felt like, okay, uh, here now we've gotten a chance to, to get here. Now let's see what it's all entailed. And, you know, I'll tell you, it was exciting, um, but we bit off more than we could chew. You know, that team, uh, they they were ready. They had all the bells and whistles, uh, you know, as it relates to the student athletes to put on the floor, and they did a great job. Uh, then the second year coming in, we knew that, you know, being the 16th seed, we were gonna draw the top seed again, but we felt real confident going in. A few decisions that we did different, uh, we felt we could have pulled that game out because we pretty much, the second time, was in, in control of the game. We just had some things that we didn't do as well as we should have uh, that kind of, you know, gave us that falling on the, on the other, wrong side of that, I felt. But uh, for the most part, we knew that we were going to be better prepared going into this game, but that, you know, we got lost it in the, at the end. But if we get a chance this year, we feel like we'll definitely be a step closer to, to, to making some things fall in line for us, and we're ready. We, we, we welcome the moment. That must have been incredibly exciting in that locker room at that halftime, you know, because half of your team had experienced that first year where – it was a new experience and weren't quite ready for the moment versus you were up at halftime. And so that's definitely a major thing to build on, as you said. Have those experiences really guided the expectations for what you have on this year's squad? Yes, it has. It really puts us in a position now that we feel we can challenge our guys in a way that some of the things that we didn't do well, that we can come in and tweak some things, and now we can move forward because we feel confident that, again, with the recruiting that we've done, with the scheduler, we feel like some things are going to fall in the right places to help prepare us if that opportunity uh, presents itself again to be ready for it. Sounds like years of building, improvement each year, and now the expectations at the level where it's time. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. How exciting is that for you, your coaching staff and players to know that this is truly where you believe you should be? Well, it, it is very exciting. We started this 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 march on the principles of, hey, we're coming here to, to be an impact and we want to be an impact right away. And now the time is here. You know, some things have fell in line to give us this opportunity, and we're going to take advantage of it. Let's so go. We're ready to get it, get, get it done. Yeah, I love it. So given that talent you've discussed and the potential of this year's team, 
what message do you want to convey to FGC's fan base as we start this season? I just want to let you know, if you get a chance, please come out, be a part of what we're doing, because again, as we continue to grow and stay focused on the things that we have plans to do, we want you all to be a part from day one and, and know that, hey, you're going to be represented by a group of young men that's going to work hard, that's going to represent not only themselves and their families, but the school as well as the vision that Dr. Barrett has for all the programs here. And we want to let you know, come out and be a part of it because it's going to be exciting to watch. Great. For those who don't know, all of FGC's home games are on campus at the Howard Center. Correct. Coach, thank you so much for your time today. Everyone on this campus is really excited about this year's basketball team, and we hope that those expectations happen and that it's as good of a year as you hope it is. Thank you, and we look forward to the next podcast. Have a great day, y'all. Thank you. Are you ready?